Hello, 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 and welcome to episode three of the Jock Mailbag. My name is Damo, and joining me as he has the last few weeks is Clarky. How you doing, Clarky? Two and oh, two and oh, two and oh. This is probably, I'm, I'm on a high. Melbourne have won two games, and we haven't lost any because there's only been two games. It's probably the high point of my year so far. They've had a very good start, and this week we have a very special guest on the podcast. Uh, ben from Supercoach Insider. How are you doing, Ben? Good, thanks, guys. Thank you for having thanks me. Thanks for joining us. So we've got lots of questions about sideways trading and potential trade-in targets as well. Some are very general and some are very specific. Um, just answer them as you can. The first one comes from Ash via the email. Thanks, Ash. How many is too many corrective trades and what should be the priority? Rookies, mid-prices or premiums? Uh, ben, as, a, as our first honoured guest, uh, I think it's only polite that we let you take first crack at the question. Oh, wonderful. Um, well, I think this is a precursor because I think the original question was, where can you find us? SE Inside 100. Secondly, <laughs> um, rookies has to be your priority. It has to be. Um, it's all about the cash generation. So... If your premium has started off a bit flat, then you are kind of just stuck with them. If you are missing one of the key rookies, you need to kind of go there first. If you have an injury, obviously that sort of supersedes the rookies. They kind of go hand in hand. But if you're upset with uh, Crips and you've missed out on a couple of other key players, then premiums kind of take a back seat, unfortunately. Yeah, I think for me, how many, so uh, Dame of the question was how many corrective trades is too many? So... I think there's there's no two's, there's no, yeah two is fine. fine. I think there's no real right answer. I think it depends purely on your structure. Um, you know, I've used all my trades so far um, just because I a missed a few rookies last week. Um, I had oh sorry last week I had Danger and Rao both go down, so two needed trades. And then this week has been purely rookie corrective trades for me to maximize my economy going forward. So I've got the likes of Josh Kelly, who they played him on the wing, and I have my own problems with that. Um, but he still scored a 90 in a pretty rough loss for them. But, you know, it, if your primo at that around that price range is not scoring that well, or you've got a Cripper or someone like that, uh, but you've missed some of those rookies and you're not going to get that cash gen, like you were saying, Ben, you can't, your primos do need to take a back seat. So there's anywhere up to however many you need to make sure that you're going to be set up for the rest of the year. And they played Josh Kelly forward, which was frustrating. Uh, I think it's also important not to get too confused with correction trades and trading for injuries. Now, if you had a danger field, suspended, row, injured, Caldwell, they're trades you're going to have to burn throughout the year anyway. So it sucks that you're kind of using them early, and I wouldn't get too caught up with, you know, having to think that you are making a corrective trade when really it kind of goes into your injury and um, suspended trades. And that sort of goes into the next question, which uh, came from Corey. He s- said that he's had to burn two trades in round one due to having Matt Rowell and Patrick Dangerfield. And he's now concerned about Tim Taranto. Should he hold, given that he's already made the two trades, or is a third corrective trade okay? Uh, well, I guess in that situation, for Corey, I'd probably be holding. Uh, Taranto's always got the potential. You're just hoping that he actually has uh, some good disposal efficiency to go with his ball-racking ability. I can't see Jibu as playing that badly again for a while, to be honest. They were so uncompetitive going out into the West. So for players like 
Taranto. I think if you've already had a couple of injuries, he's a warm body on the field, and I think you can luxury trade him probably later in the year. We get quite specific now. Uh, Nathan has asked, is Cripps and Downey to Brayshaw and Jordan a good trade, or should Cripps be held? So Cripps and Brownie to... Cripps and Downey to Brayshaw and Jordan. To Brayshaw and Jordan. Uh, I think the Jordan one is uh, definitely a good one because he's well, put out a couple of 80s now, so his cash generation is going to be really high. I can see the appeal on trying to go Cripps to Brayshaw, um, but again, it's also that recency bias you hear a little bit of injury. I can't see Cripps dropping a whole heap. Like I know he's a little bit injured and he's having some jabs and it's going to be a little bit painful originally, but I still think he's he's not going to drop too much. He might drop 50K. He was already cheap anyway. And in the longevity of the season, depending on if he's – I think if he's avoided the danger, the row, the um, Caldwell train, if he, and if he wants to trade it from that and he's looking pretty good, then I don't mind it so much. But – uh, it sucks for Crips owners, to be honest. I'd probably just actually go with the uh, rookie transfer and then I'd just hold off for now. Yeah, so Downey to Jordan makes sense. Hold Crips. I mean, Brayshaw has started the year in blistering fashion, but I don't know if he can keep it up for the whole year, averaging 120 plus. So I think Crips might, be a, might have a slow start due to his injury concerns, but I think he'll come good as the season progresses. How about you, Clarky? And he has a high ceiling. So he's, sorry, boys, he has a high ceiling. So even if he drops a little bit initially, he's going to peak later in price anyway. So if you're not happy, you can always move him at a better price point later. Brayshaw had probably the most disposals I think he's had ever or close to. And they were just beating GWS inside and outside. So he was having a field day. And I can't see that happening again for a while. Clarky? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the rookie bringing in Jordan is probably the good move. Um as I said, he's, you know, pulled out a couple of 80s and he looks to have really sold himself in the Melbourne mid-group, um, especially with Harms out. And um, even with Viney back in, he's still holding his spot, which I think is probably a really good sign if he can continue that performance. So the job security is there to make a bit of cash. With Crips, I, I, look, as not a Crips owner, I'm kind of on the out, outer of this one, but Brayshaw, I think, will probably average more over the season. But I think we go back to what's the difference between a corrective trade and a luxury trade. Um, you've kind of backed in Crips to go a bit longer. Yeah, he he's playing a bit injured and all that kind of thing, but you know the potential that he has. Um, so you could probably wait and see and save the trade for now. I agree. I think uh, you've selected Crips because he's cheap and he hasn't given you reward yet for picking him up as cheap as he is. But I think in the long run, he will come good. He just needs to get over his injury a bit. Uh, moving on to the forward line, look, talking about a mid-pricer here, is Tom Atkins a real possibility in the forward line? Yes. 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 Okay, that was easy. <laughs> no, I've, I've really loved seeing his role um, develop, and he, he's a very good footballer, and I think he's part of that group of Geelong players who are kind of not over the age of 40, um, who have really undersold and are now sort of pushing their way through, like the Jordan Clarks, and you'd even love to see guys like Constable and that get a run at it. So his role 
um, I believe off the halfback has really been beneficial with the new scoring um, that we've seen so far. And he's a pretty decent option at what I believe is around the mid 300s. Yeah, just under, I believe. Um, definitely a good price point. I agree on all points they're made. I think fantasy friendly role. Uh, nice little warm up there, boys. I don't know if you're trying to butters this up, but um, I'm assuming Tex and Butters are coming somewhere soon. But I do like Atkins, particularly for draft leagues. Not sure I would actually go there in standard. Uh, it is tempting, but you'd have to have something really wrong in your side, I think, to bring him in just yet. Yeah, I think if you missed him at the start, you can probably wait and see and get him on the further way up. This next question will please Ben. Uh, it come, comes from Jay. Have we been too focused on Taylor Walker when Shannon Hearn has had a similar turnaround? Um, I don't know about too focused. I mean, Shannon Hearn has been a premium for a long time with his old man calf injuries. I'm not sure the long season is going to help. Uh, he has killed it to start with. He particularly with the new kickout. So kickout rules are slightly different. They have a little bit more room. He's playing on so much and going long a lot of the time. He is absolutely killing it. He's kicking more than uh, handballing, so he has a really good kick-to-handball ratio. I actually quite like him. And uh, again, though, I don't know if I'm bringing him in because I question his durability to begin with, but he is killing it. Tex Walker, though, a different price point. And forward lines were kind of struggling. Um, so if you didn't get one of their premiums to start with, you know, Dangerfield, um, Martin, etc., then we're really looking for cash. And... Tex has just absolutely come out on fire and that's why he's appealing to people is because of that cash grab, not because we think he's going to be you know, top 10. Yeah, I think uh, I can probably, I think, you know, we've all spoken about Damo on the the most recent JR podcast and uh, Ben over on uh, the at SC Insider 100 uh, over on your podcast. I know we've all discussed Tex and he's very tasty and he's going to make a lot of money and he's got a really friendly draw. Um, for a, you know, a key forward who's really is doing a lot of work at the moment and he just looks really good. Um, so I think it's kind of apples and oranges for me. I mean, Hearn is uh, he's looking really good, but at the same time, the mid-primos that you already have, you back them for a reason. So um, jumping on a guy who in two games has scored 110 plus, it's like, yep, cool. You can probably still get him on the way up or bring him in later. Um, or he can be a first upgrade target if he's still going for that. The Tex Walker, you'd be bringing him in for, not because he's going to score 140s, but because he's going to make about 200K in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think Bryce Mitchell said if he goes 80 and 80 the next two weeks, I think he's making 125. If he goes large, then it's a real possibility he peaks so quickly. The only for, like The only reason I'm actually considering him in my side is because I have Caldwell. I already have to trade him on, so... If you have Caldwell, the 20% of owners out there, I think it could be the risk to actually try and you know, turn that bad situation into a nice sort of positive. If your team's looking pretty good, don't go out of your way to bring in a spud. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he could go 140, he could go 100, he could pull out a 40. And um, we've seen that with even the West Coast guys. I think when West Coast um, played the Suns, I think, you know, two goals and they, some of them got like a 40 and, and a 70. And, you know, so it's it's not reliant um, he kicks six goals in each game, so it's going to be hard for him to keep it up. And uh, I don't know how you how you feel about it, Damo, but I would also say maybe the only thing I could see if you wanted to really jump on Hearn now is if you pick someone like Liam Duggan, uh, who is not going as well as we wanted him to. He's actually a quite a cheap upgrade from there if you had a little bit in your bank, but that would be a luxury trade. It's not a corrective trade. Yeah, and I guess 
that brings us to our next question, Clarky. It's from Jeff. Who has lived up to their preseason hype and who hasn't? Jack Zebel. So has he lived up to it? He is, yeah, he has probably lived up to and in some cases surpassed the expectation um, of why we were picking him. Friendly roll, scored a ton and a 72. You're not complaining about that. Um in the in the long run, I would say yeah, a lot of a lot of actually the rookies, if you nailed them, um, really help. Errol Goulden, God, can we talk about how good that man is? That is an exceeding expectations beyond what gods could have predicted. And who hasn't lived up to the preseason hype? You oh, mentioned Liam Duggan. Yeah, Liam Duggan's probably one. People who are jumping on Witherden, um, as well, <laughs> another one from the West Coast team, um. Yeah, he's they've fallen a bit. I think Zach Merritt is underperforming at the moment, but Essendon have their own problems. So I think the scoring will be there in the long run. I think if you went Duggan or Harms, I think you're in a lot of trouble. And then they've probably gone, oh, we'll just go and pick up Young from Fremantle, who was underperforming that game as well. So, you know, it's one of those things. You, you're going for a bit of point of difference on a cheaper possible premium, and sometimes you find yourself in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, who, who jumps out for you, Damo? Uh, I would argue that uh, Zach Butters has lived up to his preseason hype. People weren't really sure how he'd go as a small forward if that was the role that he continued to play, but he's gone from, I think it's like 8% midfield time to 43%, and even if that slightly gets dropped when Rosie returns, it's still going to be good for his scoring output. I don't think he's going to pump out 140 every single week, but it's definitely going to have a 95 plus average by the end of the year. And that puts him comfortably in the top eight forwards for the year. Yeah. I'd be surprised if many teams, if he continues the way he's going, even though, even if it's, as you said, if it's not one forties, I'd be surprised not to see him in a lot of teams by the end of the year. Um, yeah. He'll be top, top eight, top 10 easily. And who hasn't, uh, I'm going to, throw my own team under the bus here and say Luke, Luke, uh, Luke Valente. Uh, he was a rookie that the Dockers said would have a lot of time in the senior side this year. And we haven't heard anything since about January about him. So um, I rated him too. He had a little bit of a niggle, I think. And then he played waffle. So I was like, maybe he'll get named in the, you know, the, the Amy series and he wasn't quite. So I was like, maybe he'll be ready for round one and still haven't heard anything. So yeah, I'm with you a bit upset on that. I think he eventually makes it in, but obviously with his injury, it put him behind in the preseason preparations. So I think he'll eventually take Blakely's spot, whether that's as the whether that's as the uh, medical sub or getting regular game time or something. But yeah, I do think he gets his opportunity soon. Here's one completely left of center. What should you do with Riley O'Brien? Uh, abort ship as quick as possible. Yeah. If you missed Flynn, go down to Flynn. Meek, uh, I don't know, Damo, you're our man out west. Uh, I don't know how, how Meek's going and if he'll hold for a bit longer, you could even go down that way. Um, yeah. There's a reason they call him Rob. It's because he's robbing you blind. Your bank account's going negative, I swear to God. Get off the Rob train. Uh, yeah, I feel bad because I think I, I was with a lot of people. I, look, I wasn't going to pick him, but I was with a lot of people where I saw the potential for Rob this year, and it just hasn't eventuated. Um, Damo? I think he's hurting. No, um, the Crouch brothers. 
actually having someone to hit out to is possibly hurting as well as the new rules and everything's kind of flying by a little bit. So with 24K, you can go up to Nick Natanui, who is averaging 108.5, or you could save yourself 37K and go down to Scott Lysette, who is averaging the same amount. Those would well, be. I can tell you my opinion if you like. You guys, uh, I'd probably be going down or up if you have the money. I'd be going and going up if you're a little bit concerned there. For me, it's like a hickey or a meek, and I'd be going down um, and trying to make that cash to then actually eventually go back to primo. Move on to the next question. Uh, this one's from Reese on Twitter. What impact does Hooley have on Jaden Short's scoring potential? I think I feel like this is it's almost a twenty twenty question. Um, not not to not to crap on our viewers who have sent in a lovely question. Thank you for your question. Um, but I think we saw it last year. Jaden Short wasn't impacted that much when Hooley came in um, when they were out hubbing up there. Um, so I, I don't I don't see it affecting him as much as people expect. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> There's no facts. Completely. It's just... no. Well, Hooley completely tore the calf in the grand final, and I can't. I see him probably being more eased in and doing a bit of a team role, using that sort of run and dash when he can. But it's a, it's a long game. It's a long season, and his calf was so butchered. Um, Shorts now proven himself to the point where he is the main guy, and Hooley will take a back seat. Yeah, I don't think Hooley's inclusion will uh, affect. Jaden Short that much it might see Jaden Short have a down game here and there where he might get tagged if he gets tagged but um, I don't think it's going to affect him too much these next two questions I was specifically tagged because they're Fremantle related the first one is is Nathan Wilson's inclusion impacting Hayden Young my answer is there is so little data to go off given that they've only played what three games together in what two years. I really don't know. Nathan Wilson did take a lot of the kickouts that Hayden Young probably would have. So I'm going to say yes with an asterisk next to it. Um, how do you guys see it? Uh, yeah. Like I don't, I think Young is versatile enough with a good kick. He's just going to have being young. He's going to, have ups and downs, uh, no pun intended there. Uh, I actually think that uh, Luke Ryan's probably the one that's being hurt the most by um, Young in the side. I think Wilson isn't going to have that much of an impact on Young at all. And the next question is, is Sam Switkowski the real deal or is he a trap? And to answer your question, I didn't know he was capable of this. So the answer is, for now, I believe him to be a trap, but God, he's looked good. Yeah, well, just like the Monsters, Inc., you've got to wait for the sequel on the Squikowski. <laughs> oh, no, that's bad because the Monsters, Inc. sequel was bad. It was. I'll take that one to university. Yeah. Sorry, boys, this is what so, you get with me, no, though. Bad I'm, puns. They're, they're I'm, I'm on board. And Monsters University was great. What are you talking about? Uh, look, that's. I think that's a different podcast. I have some feelings. <laughs> Yeah, scare school just messed up. Scare the university, next... my ass. <laughs> Sorry. 
the next question um, is about Collingwood. So Chris probably should have been here for this. Um, has Jack Crisp benefited from Trelaw's departure? Appears to be a part of the centre bounce and stoppage setup at Collingwood. Oh, yeah. So Crisp is um, it probably actually helps him being in that midfield because he is notoriously a one-trick pony, kicks it long at any opportunity. So he's going to get more inside 50s that are effective, assuming the opposition doesn't mark and Cox isn't being outmarked often, so I think it does help him. Is it the the main beneficiary to Trelaw? Again, I think it's a little bit soon to see. Um, but it's interesting, because if he goes and plays in the midfield more, then why was Maynard so bad in defence? Yeah, so Crisp has scored 84 and 122, so... And he's 533k, and you can pick him up as a defender. So I can see... I can see how he would benefit that midfield being a bigger body, but I don't know if he is the direct beneficiary of Trelaw's departure. Yeah, I feel like Collingwood as well. They're still they seem like they're still trying to f- feel out a few different things with what they're doing um, around that mid group. Like, uh, is Dagoe a midfielder? Or is he a forward? Is you know who are they putting in around there to get the ball and that sort of thing? I think. If you're looking at a defender from Collingwood, and I hope this isn't like sideways moving, but I'd be looking more at Darcy Moore um, from a super coach perspective. Um, I think he seemed to have a real friendly role from what I at least I, I think was... Cripps actually. Uh, sorry, I think Crisp runs with uh, Neil tomorrow night. You don't think Chris Main goes to him? Um, I, I've got feel. I think, yeah, I don't know. It, Maney, although Maney's nose is um, messed up enough, so maybe, but uh, I just have a feeling Chris will be um, trying to run with. And that brings us to our last question, which people are debating over all over the internet. Do you hold or do you trade Lockie Neal? Oh, this is is the big boy, isn't it? It's the seven hundred and twenty thousand dollar elephant in the room. Yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm on the fence. I, I don't. I would like to, except for the fact that I've already had danger and Corball go down. So, uh, for me, I'm kind of inclined to hold, but I can see the appeal on trading. I can understand both ways. I'm holding though because I know that I'll want him eventually again if I trade him out. So. I'm effectively saving myself two trades by holding him and keeping the faith. And I'm a male aged between 25 and 35, and I don't own Neil, so all of my ideas are good. Uh, trade him to Oliver. Right. And the the one thing is, is that and I've, I've spoken about this previously, but it's it's not actually burning two trades to get rid of Neil. If you want him back later, technically, if you go from, say, a Neil to a Titch and you bank that money, if Titch was someone who you were already going to upgrade someone else to and bring in, then you're already going to bring him in and use a trade for that anyway. What you're doing is you're sidewaysing and burning a trade to go side. And then instead of upgrading to go to a Titch, you're upgrading to go to a Lockie Neil, which would then actually be a one trade deficit. So it's not as bad as it actually sounds. I know it sounds bad because you're taking him out and then taking someone back in. But because if you move sideways to another premium, it's actually a one deficit. If you're trying to go for cash and go to a Tex Walker, then it's a two trader. And then I would seriously look at yourself in the mirror. 
Yeah, I mean, look, so uh, I, uh, as I said, I'm not a Neil owner, and I, I definitely agree with you guys. There's arguments for both sides that are really clear and make a lot of sense. So once again, it's about how, like, look at your team. How does it look all together? Um, I think Ben, I definitely agree with what you're saying because it makes the most sense. If I was an owner and he's got a down performance, and you want to see how it goes, instead of losing that money you actually would probably save yourself that money by replacing him with another person who you're not going to bring out because you can use that cash to fix your team elsewhere or you can bank that cash and then use it later. So you're not actually, you know, there's arbitrary value that everybody puts on their trades. Um, some people, you know, I've heard um, a lot of, you know, different people put like, you know, a trade is worth $150,000, say, you know, for argument's sake or whatever, but it's, you know, if Neil's somebody who you're going to bring back in, then you're already going to make that trade anyway, but you need the points on field. So if he's not going to deliver them, why not bring in someone who can deliver them? That just makes sense to me. Um, at the same time, I don't see him scoring 70s every week for the next 20 weeks. So if you wanted to hold him, that's a that's a trade that you have to back him in and you don't, you would have to hold that until it got really dire. Like it would have to get much worse than it is now. Yeah, I can see the appeal. If you don't have a McRae or you don't have like a Ridley, then I feel like they're two must-haves that you should be getting in as soon as possible. And again, and the, the worst part is that everyone's so opinionated and strongly opinionated yes. on this that the, the traders are getting angry at the non-traders and why won't you see reason? And then they're like, you don't trade your premiums. And then the ones that were keeping are like, you're a nuffy. And everyone's just so really is into it, that, it. It's that meme with the lady at dinner and the cat at the table. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, you don't and, trade and your premiums. All the, the non-owners must be just sitting back going, you know, sometimes I just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> just kicking back. What do you reckon Neil can average from he- here on out? Oh, I still think he goes 120. I, I can't see him dropping out of the 110. He's got a high ceiling. Um, he actually is. He's a good kick as well. Like his kick um, efficiency is actually quite good. And he usually likes to run and link up and kick chase and, you know, sort of um, rake up the ball a little bit. So he's one of those McRae types that can get it inside and also works hard enough to kind of, you know, kick and chase and chip around. So I think he will benefit from these rules. It's just the lines have been horrible. Uh, shorter preseason, I guess, and they're just not gelling at the moment. But I think that will change. Yeah, I think I, I don't see the Lions not being a competitive team. Like They have all the pieces there and they're on paper, probably one of the better teams out there. Um, I, I would agree. I think I can probably see him averaging between 115, 120 um, easily with, you know, we know he's good at football. We know he racks up the points. He's just got to, he's just, it's one of those things. And I think it's where people, when you talk about Supercoach and you look at the Geelong game specifically, people go, oh man, Neil was so bad. And, you know, Neil was this and that, and he wasn't doing what he normally did. And he had to go forward. And then, you know, he got hit in the face by that <laughs> Carrie Rowan. <laughs> and um, it's people actually kind of forget. It's like, no, there. Mark O'Connor did a really good job on Neil. Um, he, he absolutely killed the role that he needed to do and got Neil out of that game. And I don't think, I don't think uh, if you know if you're Chris Fagan, you're not sitting down. And yes, he's you know Neil does have a little bit of injury concern as well. But you don't sit down with your star player and go, All right, well they figured you out. Off you go. It's he's going to have to learn to to beat that and to bring in and he'll bring in those points with his natural ability. Doctor Supercoach had a really good point on this as well. You get into the like into the stage you're being told that you may or may not play, then all of this uncertainty around you, and you go out there, you're not expecting a hard tag 
like old school tag. And I think he'll be better for it. I think they'll learn a little bit more. I think the team will get around him and protect him a little bit more. Um, who knew that Cam Sprainer was so important to the Lions winning? Yeah, it's um, it's weird because, yeah, he's a great footballer, but I never realized that he was the cog in the middle that made them all turn at the same time. Just quickly back on Neil. Sorry, I'll answer the, your question in a second, Ben. Um Neil started the year similarly in 2018. Uh, he started the year with a 99 and 96 and a 77 and an 85 over the first four rounds. And then from there averaged 116.5 until the buy. Was that the year of the two hour chat? Is that, was that Lockie? I'm uh, sorry. Like si- uh, once again, to derail the podcast. Did Lockie Neil, uh, am I misremembering this? Did Lockie Neil, have a two-hour chat on the phone with um, it was a Brisbane great who just really got him to pull his head in, and I remember him doing really well after I heard that. I feel like it was 2018, and I may have made this up. I think it might have been Michael Voss or Simon Black gave him a two-hour chat on the phone about beating the tag. Might have been, but back in 2018, he was also still at the Dockers. Okay. Yeah, was that when Fife was injured? Uh. No, twenty nine. So when he was back, Fife was back. Fife was Fife was back. Yeah. Maybe it was Zorko or Beams. I was thinking of. <laughs> Sorry. Whichever I'm... one it was, Neil has had this slow. He start needs a before. two hour chat. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. We'll we'll tell him as soon as they come back up to Brisbane, boys. I'll tell him to pull his head in. You're good at football, Neil. Sorry, Damo. I've cut you off twice there. And. The Lions really are missing Cam Rayner, aren't they, Ben? I mean, they're missing some. They're missing a connection between their midfield and their forward line now, which is strange to say, considering they were one of the top uh, in, inside fifties uh, teams last year and the year before. So it's amazing that he's made such a difference, being not there. Yeah, it hurts me to say it because I give him a lot of flack about leaning back when he kicks for goal, but. Uh, either that or it's his energy or like he uh, it's a funny one and these rules should have suited Brisbane better like when you looked at the games last year when it was fast and coming into the forward 50 quicker Brisbane were toweling up so these rules should actually help them so I don't know what's gone on in the process but everyone else seems to be getting the memo Sydney you know their draftees are definitely getting the memo and for some reason Brisbane are behind I think um, it's it's kind of for me what I saw of Fremantle, um, and you're seeing with Sydney, where I think a lot of these younger guys with the faster pace are literally just outpacing all the previous tactics. So it's it's like a brand, it's like they're kids in a candy store, and they're just absolutely racking it up. Like Sydney's been electric. All the young guys, like I think, was Brayshaw briefly tagged in the GWS game, and he still just- managed to beat it. He just outran DeBoer. Like, DeBoer went to him in the second quarter and he, he didn't care. Yeah. See you in hell, old man. GWS are in trouble this year. They play too slow for this kind of gameplay. They are just... And they, they're they inside mids. Are, they're butchering the ball and they're just too slow. They, you know, they go into the contest that's already on the outside and then they're just chasing their tail. I think GWS are in trouble because their game style is too yeah, slow. Yeah, and just to bring it back to Brisbane, I think... You can see as well that when that link up is there, guys like Eric Hipwood are going to absolutely towel up. Like, what? How many did he kick on in the Geelong game? Five, four or five? 
Easily. Yeah, and then he had a, a few misses, and usually you can throw a couple out in the falls with Hipwood. Yeah, exactly. But even then, four or five goals is nothing to sneeze at, even with a couple misses. So you, you get guys like Danaher in on that as well, and Charlie Cameron kicks a few. Next thing you know, once they fix that link up, and Neil's going to be an important part of that. So to bring it all back around to Supercoach, Neil averages 120 easily when things get fixed. And I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. Thanks, Ben, for joining us. Thanks, ben, Will. it's been a pleasure. Uh, if uh, any of our listeners want to find your delightful podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, so SC Insider 100, uh, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube. You can just search for us. Um, yeah, we're, we're getting around. Awesome. I'm off to watch uh, Monsters, Inc. there, boys. Good. Just stay away from university. <laughs> Thanks, See boys. you next time, community.